Grace, peace, and mercy is yours from the triune God. Amen. Amen. This weekend at our spring retreat, we kept a running list of overheard quotes from each other. And in case you missed it, here are a few for your enjoyment. There was the person who said, I'm totally making my own deodorant now. Come and smell my pits. I smell awesome. And then there was the guy who got our fire going who said, when you're this flaming, you don't need kindling. (laughs) But the one that struck me was when someone said, there's something satisfying about hating someone. To which another replied, yeah, there's definitely a payoff. And I can relate to that. When we seriously don't like someone, we like to think that we hate them because they're awful, horrible, no good people, and that might be true. But if I'm totally honest, I have to admit that there also is a payoff to hating someone. Maybe I get to feel like a better person than them. Or maybe I don't have to look at the way that I contributed to how our relationship fell apart. Or maybe I don't have to look at at my own awful, horrible no-goodness. It feels gross to admit the truth about the payoffs we get from the things that harm us, because to do so feels perilously close to minimizing the very real pain and suffering that comes from the things that harm us. But admitting that there's a payoff to hating someone who hurt me is not the same as saying that what the person did was okay, or that my pain is not real. And if we're honest, there are actually payoffs, not just to hating people, but to so many things in life that hurt us. I mention all this because in our gospel text for today, Jesus encounters a man who was ill and who'd been sitting at the pool of Bethsaida for 38 years. And honestly, this has to be the most insensitive healing text in the Bible. Because Jesus says this kind of harsh thing to the guy. He says, hey, do you want to be made well? And the guy doesn't even answer the question. When asked if he wants to be made well, he said, look, no one will help me into the water. And when I try to get in, other people get in my way. I mean, I don't want to be a jerk, but seriously, that's the guy's answer. Not to diminish his illness, but it makes me wonder what the payoff might have been to staying ill, since when asked if he wanted to be made well, he didn't seem very interested. Now, this is a sticky issue, but this week I started thinking about how hard it is to be honest about the payoffs we may get from the things we say we want to be free from. You can ask any alcoholic in recovery about this. When I was still drinking, I'd bemoan my hangovers and the fact I couldn't manage to keep a decent job. But there was a payoff. I got to live without any real responsibility and do as I like, no matter how it affected others. And the best payoff was that I got to be inebriated whenever life or basic human emotions or the result of my bad decisions started to feel too bad. It's not just drunks, though. Not by far. Some of you spend money you don't have on things you don't need, which boosts your mood until you get the bills, which are then depressing, and then you have to start the whole damn thing over again and shop some more to boost your mood, all while you complain about how in debt you are. It's like clutching our bills by the side of the pool at Bethsaida and having Jesus walk by and say, do you really want to be free from the bondage of debt? Jesus is just 
the worst sometimes. <laughs> Being honest about what the payoff is to staying in a situation I say I want out of is just more truthfulness than I personally feel comfortable with most times. But that's the kind of truth Jesus seems to always be putting up in my face when I read texts like this. It all reminds me of Paul's letter to the Romans, that place where he said, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Some things are so true they hurt a little. But that's the whole point, I think. Jesus said that we will know the truth, and the truth will set us free, but I kind of like David Foster Wallace's take on that. He said, sure, the truth will set you free, but not before it's done with you. Here's the problem. In this day and age, we're understandably sensitive to the dangers of what we call blaming the victim, and I totally understand that. There are things which happen to us which are surely beyond our control. I didn't have much of a part in having an autoimmune disorder when I was 12. Richard does not contribute in any way to his own deafness, and to imply so is just cold-hearted. So don't mistake me. What I'm talking about is, is situations like this, for instance. There were a few months in my life where I came down with a touch of hypochondria. Uh, we were living in Longmont, and I was a stay-at-home mom with a baby and a toddler. And I was exhausted all the time, and I got sick a lot that winter. And I started to think that something was seriously wrong with me, and I was having a hard time dealing with my life. And secretly, without actually really being conscious of it, I really hoped something was wrong with me. Nothing fatal, like maybe a totally treatable form of cancer or something. <laughs> and then I could kind of get a hall pass, you know, like a break from everything. A hospital stay started to sound awesome. I mean, someone else would bring me food and I could lay around all day watching TV and taking narcotics. I mean, what's not to love? <laughs> and after ending up in my doctor's office for like the third time in six weeks, demanding he run tests on me since I was sure I was sick, my doctor looked me in the eye and said, Nadia, nothing's wrong with you. You just have to deal with your life. As a side note, I was so humiliated, and I never actually went back to that doctor. <laughs> but I also have never since then feared or hoped that something was wrong with me. I picked up my mat and walked out of his office, so to speak. Of course, it's not always like that. I mean, I wonder if that day when Jesus was walking along the pool at Bethsaida, if there were many other people who were legitimately sick and lame and maybe beyond help. There must have been. But I wonder if he saw this one guy, I mean really saw him, and saw in him that which he could not see in himself. I wonder if Jesus knew that this man had given up, had somehow like foreclosed on his life, and knew that he could be made well. See, it's a weird healing text, because not only does Jesus say, do you want to be made well? He doesn't even do the normal healing thing he normally does. He just said, stand up, take your mat, walk away. Stop waiting for someone to carry you. Stop waiting for other people to not be in your way. Why? Because you can. I wonder if Jesus said, nothing's wrong with you. You just have to deal with your life. In the face of Christ, 
This man who was healed was healed by being confronted with the truth. And that truth may have stung like truth often does, but it also set him free. But the fact that he was able to take his mat and walk away obviously had very little to do with his own desire to be healed. What it had to do with was God's desire for his healing. That's God's thing. Seeing us, really seeing us, offering us the truth, restoring that which is broken, pursuing our healing long after we've given up, loving us into wholeness and wanting us to be made new, to be made whole, to take up our mats and walk. So come to this healing place here. No one has to carry you to this table of grace in front of us. And here, there is no one to get in your way. So come to this table tonight and bring the mats you think you're stuck laying on and lay them at the feet of your Savior who bids you walk and be free. Amen.